welcome back to Cast Pod Tier Witch. Uh, I'm your co-host Dolph. I'm your co-host Aaron. And I'm your co-host Max. And today we're discussing short the short story Edge of the World um, from the Last Wish anthology. Yes, and this is very exciting because this is the first story featuring Dandelion. He's had a mention so yes. far, but but this is the first one where he actually appears. Yes, uh, he appears. It's in the intertextual bit. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and of course, for our show watching only fans, Dandelion is Yaskier. Yes. Um, yeah, they just have to get used to us referring to them as one and the same because they are. Even though in the books, in this book, it's, it's spelled more Dandelion. Um, yeah, here Dandelion. it's just misspelled in the English translation, if I remember correctly. Yeah, like... yeah if, if I remember right, it's Dandelion in this one, and then in the Sword of Destiny, it's Dandelion, but it goes back to Dandelion in Blood of Elves, no. and then back to Dandelion. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's Dandelion for the rest of them. <laughs> uh. The English translation is... Wonky. They eventually get it right, but um, <laughs> yeah. So naturally, the way that you introduce a character like Dandelion is having a matriarchal figure being extremely annoyed at him turning up, and him turning up drunk, like an irresponsible friend who your parents don't approve of, um, rolling into your house, which is basically, literally, what happens with him. Yes, um, Nanika, um, yes is very unimpressed with dandelion um so she she says to Geralt that he's got a guest and that it's dandelion that idler parasite and good for nothing that priest of art that the bright shining star of the ballad and love poem and as usual he's radiant with fame puffed up like a pig's bladder and stinking of beer which is that is a hell of an introduction to a character (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've had friends who might be described like that (laughs) <laughs> like she, she then goes on to shit on Geralt's, you know, friendship with him, by saying that like he's he's his complete opposite. Uh, and of course, Geralt replies, "Opposites attract." And one thing that show people will notice about book Geralt is that he does not shy away from using the word friend and expressing how much he yeah. enjoys Dandelion. Like, right from the outset, he's actually, you know, like, quite clear about the fact that, like, he enjoys having Dandelion around. Yeah, like, when Nenica goes on this rant about Dandelion, she's like, so, do you want to see him? And Geralt just replies, of course, he's my friend, after all. Like, that's, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She, She literally is his substitute mom, though, because she basically, she basically behaves the way that, like, 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 moms behave when, like, that friend that they don't approve of has come round to visit you again. Mm. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> I mean, in, in Nanika's defence, Dandelion does talk about pinching the bum of one of the <laughs> very attractive um, ladies cutting Priestesses. around. Yes. <laughs> yes, uh, Dandelion is kind of a creep. It's like there's there's no there's no getting around that. I love him but to death, but there he's is kind there of a is creep. no ambiguity in the fact that like. <laughs> Book Dandelion is a creep. <laughs> yes, and I, I mean that is something that um, explicitly came up in the interviews with um, Joey Beatty for how he portrayed uh, Yaskier in the show was that both he and sort of the the writing team felt that this 
this character of like the creepy drunken womanizer was kind of played out and wanted to do something a little bit more interesting with um just this idea that he's just like so in love with everybody mm. um which i i think trans worked really well with the show but yeah I would yeah. agree with that. <laughs> Uncontroversially, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so they sort of they strike up a drink and start talking about history and specifically Roderick de Novembre and um the merits or otherwise of his findings and what Geralt's been up to really. And it's just like, Oh, it's like where are you going? It's like, I'm going south Dandelion, far south. I won't find any work here. Civilization. What the hell do they need a witcher here for? Um, and yeah, and so that's kind of leading us into, you know, the edge of the world. Yeah, and I thought that was, again, a really interesting um, piece of world building. Um, because, of course, these interstitials were written, as we've mentioned before, were written long after the short stories were as a way to sort of stitch them together into a coherent volume and then provide some um, more sort of structure to the world. Um, I just thought that was, again, some really interesting world building. They sort of giving us um, a sense of like where there's, I guess, more urban development and where he's more likely to to run into into monsters. And this idea that and this is a complete turnaround from um, what was initially being set up at the, the start of the very first story of, you know, The Witcher, the one with the Striga. Um, where there the is clearly... Are, like, there is clearly an attempt to set up, like, in, in The Witcher, there is clearly an attempt to set up, like, Witchers is something new. Whereas yeah. here, we're actually seeing that, like, we're actually dealing with them, sort of, the twilight of their existence. Yes, because civilization has expanded enough that uh, all of the, the monsters have become sort of curiosities rather than something to be hunted. Well, again, right? Like to bring back like some uh, phrase that apparently our fans love. Uh, the the Witchers are like the carbon tax, like in the sense yes. that they're <laughs> they're explicitly there to like um, to essentially render themselves unnecessary. Like, and and I think it's really interesting from like a kind of like sheer economics point of view, like how. Like you can see that Sapkowski is an economist by by like by 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 education because like he thinks about it from the perspective of well basically though know, you're just like rendering yourself jobless in the long term. Yes, <laughs> and of course we get a bit of Geralt's morality as well because he won't do the work that will pay, which is hunting harmless things for their parts for potions and things. Which incidentally, I love this line from Dandelion um, when. Geralt saying, you know, I'm not going to go hunt Micopterans. Uh, and bring a bone from its hand to, to cure impotence. And De- I love that Dandelion just chimes in with, oh, that's rubbish. I've tried it. It doesn't work. Like, accidental world building that Dandelion is actually important. <laughs> yes. Well, everybody is sometimes. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but I just love that, yeah, Dandelion chiming in there with, like, eh, it doesn't work. <laughs> um, but it's just, like, I love this bit of, like, building Geralt's morality as well, is that, like, he's sort of on the edge of not being able to make a living, but he, like, refuses to, like, engage with this, like, alternative market that's emerging. Yeah, and it's cool he talks about, you know, monsters, some of them finding their niche of existence in the world, like trolls, you know, they look after the bridges, so why wouldn't you pay them and just do because it's cheaper to pay them than it is to 
maintain the bridge and the troll's just doing its thing anyway. It's it's an interesting sort of um, commentary on just the ecology more generally. There are a lot of pests that we hate and despise but we just kind of have to tolerate them because that's the way of the world. Mm. Uh, the other thing I love is that it's like still playing into the fairy taleness of um, this particular short story collection because of course that's like it's basically built three Billy Goats graph, right? The troll guarding the bridge and the yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's a big feature in the games as well. Um, you have to deal with so many trolls. Uh, yeah, the, the, it really did establish the rule that trolls are going to be there. They're going to be building bridges. Uh, <laughs> oh, and of course Ironically. we get our f- we get our first mention of unicorns. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, briefly, <laughs> <I>. Yes. Like, <laughs> as a rhetorical device, mind you, but I. Yes, and, and the talk. I like a sort of illustration of the slightly cynical nature of the world is that groups of young virgin women would go around hunting unicorns. It's just such an <laughs> economist vision of fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, of course the the unicorns will be very important later. But uh, I'm just like, oh, unicorns. We're also getting, I think. I just I really love these interstitials. Honestly, I think I could talk about them almost. They're three pages long, and I could talk about them almost as long as the stories. Because he's packing like so much um, world building and character building into them. They're a really lovely way of tying like all of like the Last Wish together by like actually providing it with like substantial world building context to like mm-hmm. make it all like something of like a more coherent kind of not really narrative but setup. Yeah, and I think like. Honestly, like for me, like Sapex real strength is his ability to produce a pretty huge amount of character and world development and these tiny, tiny little slivers. He's an amazing short story writer and then somehow manages to condense that even more and makes each one of these interstitials its own little its own little story that builds so much on the world while while tying it all together. Um, like we're getting like so much about Geralt's attitude towards being a witcher, towards his work, towards um, what sort of that life requires of him, and also about his relationship with Dan- Dandelion and Dan- the way Dandelion just knows him and is just like the way he's able to sort of recognize Geralt's sort of depressive patterns and what it, what what'll overcome them. It's just it's, yeah. I think it's just really lovely. Yeah, and the way he almost. The the, the, int- the way sort of Dandelion speaks about the times of monsters almost nostalgically and it gives a, up, so it illustrates so much about the world, you know, the Baron won't allow a forktail to be killed because it's the last draconid for a thousand miles and no longer gives rise to fear but rather to compassion and nostalgia for times past. It just says a lot about the world, you know, we know witches have existed for 300 years and he's saying, you know, they've had to fight for every hill and mountain and glen and now suddenly there's no more of these monsters and as you mentioned earlier they're not seen as being horrifying hunters at the night but they're seen as being having you know some beauty to them and purpose in the world and now the witchers are no longer doing a service but you know seen as sort of exterminators in some sense Mm -hmm. and his only option is either to try to eke out an existence here where there's very little work or go to the least the less civilized apparently south uh 
first reference to the southern beer tasting like piss <laughs> and um <laughs> so it is uh, i <laughs> <laughs> and uh having to deal with mosquitoes and girls who don't wash and terrible beer and live there and make his living or stay in the north where he's irrelevant yes um and uh, yeah um, it reminds me of our first yeah. expedition together to the edge of the world do you remember we <laughs> met at the Fet and Gullet and you persuaded me and we, yeah, of course Dandelions was chased off because he had um, philandered with one too many ladies a girl with too many brothers yes <laughs> yes and they had to go on an adventure yes to the edge of the world <laughs> <laughs> and yeah that brings us to the edge of the world yes so this story starts with Geralt trying to sort of ply his trade to the the alderman of a village um, who doesn't seem to be understanding what, what Geralt's explaining to him about being a witcher just sort of trying to explain to the, the alderman that he is here to kill monsters um, <laughs> yeah I don't sell anything I don't go around enlisting men for the army and I don't know how to treat <laughs> glanders I'm a witcher <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, Witcher, you should have said so right away. <laughs> so he, he's asking for work, but he's just getting stories from the, the alderman about um, all all sorts of things being in the valley. He, you know, he he's, tells him about elves, which isn't exactly Witcher's work. Uh, but then we get stories about uh, the Bane, a pale version that walks through the cottages at daybreak. And, you know, the children die and there's imps and bats and uh Old Nan the Hag, um, which is where I think we get um, Jaskier's song from the this episode of, of the show, where he's got all of these, singing about all these things that don't exist. And this is exactly the problem here, is the villagers are telling Geralt all of their, you know, folk tales and horror stories about monsters that don't actually exist. So there's no, there's no work for him as far as he knows. Yes, uh, Dandelion's very into these stories and thinks they're true, but, but Geralt tells him that they're not. Well, at least, at least, at least, he's he's one hundred percent convinced the people believe they're right. Oh yes. Um, oh, like... this is yes. This is interesting. Dandelion says that you know, like he can't be lied to. He studies people too much. He knows when someone's lying, and yes, Geralt has to explain to him, like, no, the villagers believe this, but they aren't real. <laughs> like, and and it's actually it's actually kind of incredible because like they they like like you know uh, I kind of get what Dandelion is saying here, and that like he's. Like they they fire <laughs> off like a a whole list of like monsters that they're one hundred percent convinced exist, like and and he's like, come on, Geralt, realistically, at least one of them has to has to be real, and it's just like, <laughs> well, yes, bats exist. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a really great line here where um. You know, Dandelion says to Geralt, you know, monsters do exist. Maybe not as many as before. Maybe they don't lurk around every tree in the forest, but they're there. They exist. Uh, so how do you account for people inventing ones? And what's more believing in what they invent? And Geralt replies that people like to invent monsters and monstrosities. They s Then they seem less monstrous themselves. When they get blind, drunk, cheat, steal, beat their wives, starve an old woman. When they kill a trapped fox with an axe or riddle the last existing unicorn with arrows. They like to think that the bane entering cottages at daybreak is more monstrous than they are. They feel better then. They find it easier to live. And I mean, that's amazing and such a bleak worldview. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, it's cohesive to the world that they're in. Yes, certainly. When we hear about 
the wickedness of many of the characters within it. Um, but yeah, it's it scans really, um, and it's a good descriptor of a lot of his general philosophies and outlook on things. Yes. <laughs> so as they're riding on, they're looking at sort of over the Valley of Flowers and, and Dandelion wants to stop because it's so beautiful. But Geralt's like, no, we need to, to go find work. Uh, whereupon they are sort of chased down by a cart and someone called Natalie, who has been, had seen them talking to the Alderman, uh, knows that the Alderman stories are nonsense, but uh, says he has a, a real job he needs a witcher for. The peasants respond like 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 um, rustic appearance doesn't exactly like like chime with like how common sense he is and how he goes like I have never heard such nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the English translation is uh, it's a long time now. I've uh, you know I feel like it's a not British accent having person. I'm having a hard time reading this out loud. Just that I marked your expression. Twas nay strange to me. In a long time now, I've never heard such balderdash and lies. Is how the English... <laughs> that's... I feel like my accent isn't suited to reading these lines out. <laughs> yeah, that's uh... <laughs> balderdash and lies. It doesn't it, it? Does come out funnily in my accent. To be fair, there's a certain staccato to it. Yeah, I just think all the lines come out a bit funny in my accent <laughs> when I try to read them out. <laughs> all the better. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. So they they travel with their newly acquired, or or bumpkin, whichever <laughs> term you wish to use, pal Netley, to um, Upper Posada. Uh, no, sorry, that's where they've just left. Um, they go, head to a village to talk to local er- elder, a gentleman named Dune. What say ye, Dune? <laughs> he says. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, he's the elder of Lower Posada, um, described as a huge man with a gloomy expression, uh, which is always, it's good to have the first thing about your character be how miserable they look. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in this beautiful, fertile valley where they have live in plenty, he's just miserable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what a mood. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so. I think he might be but... West Country. It's like. Well, it oh, be like this. There be this field oh. hereabouts. Um, yes. That, yeah, it's a bit west country. Might be Somerset. Um. <laughs> wow. Oh gosh, we're gonna end up insulting a bunch of our listeners. Um, <laughs> I'm allowed the, to. The Valley of Flowers is Bath, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no comment on the population of Bath. <laughs> Oh, that's a very niche joke. <laughs> um, uh, well, there is at least one devil in Bath. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. Uh, uh, sorry yes. to the like three quarters of our listeners who are American, um, who are gonna have no idea. It's for, it's for the best. Don't don't, don't yes. worry about it. Um, yeah. So Dune brings up. Um, I guess we're pronoun- it's not O E, so it's not going to be Duval, um, and it, but it's, could it be Devil? I doubt it. Devil, just go with Devil. We'll just say um, we'll just say Devil. So Dun describes the concept of a Devil, and obviously, they are skeptical of the existence of Devils, or at least Geralt is. Um, 
and so yes there's this yes the, the order to apprehend or chase him away but not to kill him um, yes although it's unclear why what I think is interesting is Dandelion's the one who's like devils don't exist and Geralt who's usually very skeptical and thinks he knows everything about monsters is being like incredibly patient and calm and says that you know when when Dandelion questions him later says that he you know he can't resist seeing something that doesn't exist um mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's unclear why they want him chased off but not killed, because they say that he's actually quite helpful. He fertilizes the land, turns the soil, gets rid of moles, scares birds away, watches over the turnips and beetroots. Uh, and yes, he does mischief and eats some of the crops, but uh, th- he hadn't been a problem until now, but now they just want rid of him, but n- for him not to be killed. Yeah, they're, they're fed up of his mischief, basically, despite all the good that he's done. Um... Yes. Um, and they insist that so, he cannot be killed. That was a thing. Yes, they're doubly, triply insistent on it. Um, yeah, so they, it's funny because the um, the elder, the the elder Dune, he starts to give a reason because in this valley, but then Natalie cuts him off, and stops him from explaining why. But this, of course, would be would play quite well with Geralt, who generally doesn't like killing sapient things anyway if he can help it. So, for him, it's kind of it's a win win. So Geralt says that he needs to go have a look at this devil before he can agree to a contract. And they say, you know, they, that that's his right to do so. Um, so Dandelion is perplexed because, you know, devils don't exist. And, and he knows Geralt well enough to know that, uh, you know, he says, I take it you happen to base yourself to get us bed, board and lodging, have you? And Geralt sort of grimaces and is like, yes, it looks like you do know me. Um but he cannot resist the temptation of having a look at something that doesn't exist. Um. <laughs> so this um, differs from, well, the TV show pretty significantly, really. Yes, because in the TV show they've met at, or in the story they've met previously at this festival and then agreed to go on a little adventure together. But mm-hmm. in the um, in the show, they sort of meet in Posada with Dandelion being the one singing about all of these made-up monsters that don't exist. And pocket full of bread rolls and um yes <laughs> just following him around <laughs> and being a nuisance um yes i will never ever get over the don't want to keep a man with bread in his pants waiting line. it's up there it's with his, yeah, you'll have to speak up i'm wearing a towel um it really is <laughs> 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 Uh, <laughs> yes uh, so it does <laughs> it does differ pretty significantly in that Dandelion's clearly here at Geralt's sort of own invitation and Geralt seems to be quite pleased to have a travel companion and doesn't mm. mind Dandelion's making up songs and things um, yeah this is the this is the thing like like in this short story I don't I don't think it's intentional because I think this was written before Sapkowski really delved into how Geralt feels about things, um, but but you almost you almost get this feeling, given like you know, all the later world world building context, that Geralt is actually quite enjoying not being alone for once. Mm. Given how miserable mm. he spends much of the the books and stories, yes, the fact that he's just bantering with Dandelion is at least itself. <laughs> speaking to that he's doing all right he's quite happy with it and i think it's actually fair even as you say dov that this is before you know he really worked out the way Geralt feels about things um 
I don't know if these are sequentially in publication order, but like we've had a few stories already where Geralt's had a extremely bad time and is clearly starting to demonstrate some trauma, uh, both after killing the um, the the Bruxa and after the death of Renfrey. So it is quite a relief to see him. And I think it would be quite a relief to him to not be alone after all of these things. Not be alone with his thoughts specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, though it's very difficult to know what order anything is timeline wise, because the books are even more confusing than the show. <laughs> yeah. You just kind of take the stories as they come, I think. Uh, yeah. Unless it's explicit. <laughs> just <accept>. it's, yeah. <laughs> It, um, it is very much just accepted. Let it wash over you. Time isn't real. <laughs> time isn't real. What is time anyway? <laughs> That's a big lockdown mood, isn't it? I suppose it sure is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Glad um, that's glad that's coming to an end. If there is no second wave. Yeah. Uh, uh, if if this is ends, if this begins. is if this is released during the during the middle of the second wave, guys. What can I say? <laughs> um, oh <God>. Sorry. <laughs> this is a voice from the still more hopeful past. Uh, um, the pre-winter, pre-second wave past. Exactly. Um, <laughs> see, there's another cool thing that's like already being set up, starts to get set up around here, where like Dandelion and Geralt are bantering, which is... Um, we deal with like other languages for the first time, um, if I remember correctly. In the sense that there's 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 elder, there's even like a little bit of dwarven and dropped in as well. Um, oh, that's when he's talking about uh, yeah the yeah the devil chase and the yeah yeah devil precisely diavol ape airs and stuff like that. Yeah yeah, like yeah. Um, I I just think that's kind of cool because like. Um, like this is the first time that like that like um, you see Sapa kind of trying to well besides I guess for for a road with no return because there there's actually quite a few like fantasy species that we even that we also never even see come back so that's like interesting in its own right but um, like uh, here there's also a situation of like um, like like he's here here Sapkowski is trying to like start to try to explore elven and dwarven cultures and i think that's like you know, kind of cool mm. yeah it is very cool and so we're both getting that sort of world building there and we're also getting uh character development of, of dandelion as sort of a a person of of education and languages and and that sort of thing as well um i think we do get a little bit of sort of their their show bantery relationship um because, you know, Geralt saying, you know, the devil's not stupid and explains the special qualities of, of hemp being that it emits an anti-magic aura. And, uh, you know, Dandelion starts sort of talking about ballads and things and Geralt's kind of like, spare me, Dandelion, stop wittering. Um, <laughs> I love the idea that, that hemp emits an anti-magic aura. That is, like... that is not my experience. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cut that, I think. <laughs> Hey, I am from somewhere where it's legal, hops thank you. As well. <laughs> yeah, hops are also magical. <laughs> <laughs> like um like it's kinda great. Like it's just like every fucking um mildly 
like, um, what's the word? Intoxicating? <laughs> Intoxicating. <laughs> um, like, fucking material in the Witcherverse emits an anti-magic aura. <laughs> uh, maybe South and, like, I mean, Edge. I mean, I mean like, he, 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 in, like, the games at least, like, he makes his fucking potions by just mixing shit with, like, spirits. So, like... Yes, yeah, spirits and hallucinogenics. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and also there's, like, you know, white gull and shit. Like, um... Yeah, it's, it's all listed, like, mildly hallucinogenic. Yeah. Uh, right, so, so, like, cannabis is anti-magic, but LSD is okay. I'm just checking. No, LSD <laughs> encourages magic. Yeah, <laughs> like you, get, you have to get it. Like, the like, okay. So like, you know, that that just makes me go that like, you know, if someone is taking like multiple kinds of drugs, then it's it's possible that they might cancel out their own magical <laughs> right. ability while they're enhancing it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we. I'm glad we took that. Took this. 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 This side routes down from the main story <laughs> so that would be like a magical speedball i guess yes literally <laughs> a magical speedball oh, you're God. welcome okay. listeners <laughs> sorry any police officers listening to this we have never experienced any <laughs> any intoxicating materials like frankly frankly i've never i've never even really drunk water uh what is a drug <laughs> what is a drug uh, what am drug <laughs> i saw a beer once and needed to lie down <laughs> oh god megs that is roughly my level of tolerance i was like mega dove i'm not even joking i was actually hungover yesterday <laughs> Oh guys, this is incredible by the way. Like like um <laughs> uh we 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 were in weather sprints the other day. Uh and 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 you have to keep this in Aaron because I want to address the listeners. Uh like <laughs> we were in the weather sprints the other day and I and I actually like was like, "Okay, I'm going to tweet my like table number and like location and see if like people bring us free like people order us drinks." They did, first of all. Thank you to yeah. everyone who ordered us drinks. And also, if it was one of you podcast listeners, we love you. Well done. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it got a little out of hand. <laughs> but it was very good. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes. Thank you also for the chips and, and, and onion rings. Well, yes, they got chips are, and onion rings, not just bowls of peas and milk then. Oh my god, we got a bottle of Prosecco, a G&T, a cider, a, some kind of beer, chips, onion rings. Yeah. Man, you had a great time of it. Yeah. Yeah. And the best thing is, was that afterwards they actually brought somebody else's order to us, and we were like, oh yeah, that's ours, because we assumed that that was ours. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it was somebody else's, we had to pay for it later. <laughs> but it's okay, it was like a need to help out days, so it was like six pounds for like a pretty big order. So. I... It was great. Like, <laughs> right, um, time to herd cats. Uh, <laughs> okay, yes, yes, thank yes. You, Max. Let's we herd do some cats. So we do get more good insight into the relationship here because you know they're talking about um, 
dandelions mentioning stories and oh there's one about a devil and a woman rude but amusing and girl's like spare me dandelion and then it's like oh, it's only wanting to be helpful <laughs> which is very much the tone of things to go forward um yes there's very much the stop wittering you're babbling <laughs> yes yes <laughs> Uh, and then Geralt points out that people have been bringing offerings to the devil. Uh, there's a there's a tallow candle. Um, there's seeds, um, and then of course the the they've been making too much um, too much noise, and the devil has noticed them. Yes, and it communicates through the means of ux and beads. Um. <laughs> <laughs> he does uck a lot. That's true. Yes. <laughs> and he's basically um, described, well, in traditional folklore as looking like a devil-y type thing. He's got horns and cloven feet and hairy goat-like legs. You, and you can, you can imagine why they mistook him for a devil. That's that, and he, he looks exactly like one. So <laughs> the, the thing that's interesting here, is, well, before he starts hucking iron balls about is that in the games sylvans which is um what is later revealed this creature is are generally shown as being big fat things big greedy monstrous things whereas in this case that's like only in the third one right yes you see three or four of them and they're all big chunky lads yeah Um, yeah. you know the only thing i can say to that is that yet again the writers of The Witcher 3 just forgot the books before they started <laughs> yes. working on the game. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think, to be fair, the sylvans that they describe in the game generally are in positions where they could. Like, one of them is, like, collect, is collecting food from people and getting Yeah, one of them it. pretended to be a god, right? Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. So it's understandable that he would have gotten a bit fat. And then, like, yeah. I guess the other mm-hmm. ones can be explained by um, laziness and design. Yeah, basically. They designed one and, <laughs> and thought it's like, good enough. Yes. Sorry, but we have worked on this game enough. <laughs> Which, fair enough, really. I mean, legit, right? Like, I really can't even disagree. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this the creature starts lobbing iron bars at uh, balls at him. Um, if Our it was heroes. bars, that would be more intense, not gonna lie. <laughs> oh my god. No, my, my favourite thing is that before he does that, it's Dandelion who starts with the threats. It's Dandelion who starts with, has, ever, has anyone ever kicked your ass a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> Dandelion! <laughs> uh, it's actually also interesting because the, like, the Lithuanian translation, which admittedly, like, um, it has been known to be sometimes wonkier than the english one while also sometimes better so i can't say whether which one is more accurate um but but the lofadian translation actually actually has him like respond to all the uk uk with like um like sort of like a sentence that essentially implies are you doing this because somebody kicked you in the arse like (laughs) uh like uh, so I'm not sure which one is more accurate, but one way or the other, dandelion causes the problem. <laughs> Again, another uh, emergent theme from the books. Yes. Yeah, because I think he's calling. I think dandelion's calling him a 
monkey this is this is the f- uh, for all of these because uh, uh, he's like you can take the barrel organ and the bell when you go home like <laughs> it's very weird oh yeah yeah i see that yeah fuck yeah mm. like a look dandelion <laughs> first of all racist second of all um, yeah that's a sapient being dandelion come on like yeah. um like second of all like this is actually great because like it does really strongly illustrate the difference between this uh, the TV series, where in the TV series, Geralt causes his own problems and then blames Dandelion and is generally terrible yeah. to him and takes all his problems out on him. While in the book, Dandelion causes all of Geralt's problems, with very few exceptions, <laughs> and Geralt still considers him a really close friend who he's glad to have by his side. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Either way, the, the 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 silver, sorry, iron bullets just like start hitting them on mass, like <sighs> yes, uh, and they run run away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, they get chased off by a goat man with uh, a slingshot, basically. Um, yes, and they head back to find out about the pub. Uh, well, in the pub, <laughs> they ask Lily. Um, <laughs> the wise old woman to if she's got any material about the, um, the the beast that they've been confronted with and they find out that it's a, sil- a sylvan and the interesting thing is that she doesn't actually seem to read the book she just sees some of the pictures and knows them off memory um so they, they're actually illiterate but they have a book and remember information based on the captions to the pictures because they've passed on because nobody can read the language that's actually in the books which i thought was just interesting yeah it's really interesting so yeah there's lily who's the the young girl who doesn't speak and she's sort of the apprentice to the to the old woman and um yeah so it seems like someone in the distant past of this village could read the words but somehow over the course of time they lost the ability to read the language but were still passing down the oral tradition of what is actually written next to the pictures yeah they literally just memorized the entire thing yeah. I kind of love it. Um, it's great. <laughs> like Yeah. And it's also it's interesting because like there's an idea that that can be better in the sense that like you know, you lose the ability to read runes or a book can be burned or or whatever. Uh but they still have the book too, which is just really interesting. Yeah. Um so they um yeah, so they read out about what the Sylvan is. Um and um, they get also to the fact that there is an entry for Witcher in this book. Um, so what uh, the old what the old woman says is that it says uh, the entry for Witcher says uh, a witchman uh, called by some a Witcher to summon him is most dangerous, albeit one must for when against the monster and the vermin there be no aid the witchman can contrive. But careful one must be, careful one must be to touch not the witchman, for thus. The mange can be acquired, or can one acquire, and lasses do from him hide away, for lustful the witchman is above all measure, which I mean, fair. Though the witchman greatly covetous and greedy for gold be. Um, Giveth he not such a one more than, and then lists like these very low prices for a sort of 
each individual kind of job that a witcher can do. So it's very yeah, they insulting. fucking try to scam him, and it's like you can't even like say that like this is like accounting for inflation because we're talking about actual silver coins, like yeah. for comparison, <laughs> right? Like like it says it says like you know like fucking um four silver groschen for like for for a vampire for comparison like you know um like what you actually like you know um used to get for like one groschen like back in the middle ages in eastern europe like mm-hmm. um actually bear with me i i literally can check this in the book because just give me 5 seconds like okay <laughs> like totally worth having the research <laughs> Need some interstitial medieval elevator music. <laughs> well, he does that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, it is good because he runs through all of the sort of prices. Um, yeah. And, so, you know, it's like, well, you can tell the book's aged. Uh, because you know, yeah. you're damn right, I'm not doing it for one silver coin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you can't do my help costing you a silver penny or three halves, then you're bloody well mistaken. <laughs> I also think the stuff about uh, Lily is interesting. Um, and she's mute. Just, uh, she's mute, though. She's supposed to be a prophetess, and and Geralt sort of points this out that this is that this is not very useful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. And they, what again, I think this is really, really interesting. Um, I don't know, it's maybe I'm just prone to doing a feminist read of everything. But um, we've had in the interstitial bits, um, this idea that Nenica and her sort of priestesses are being harassed by these like, religious knights who don't like them very much and call it like a den of sorcery and basically accuse her of witchcraft. And now we've got this other thing with um, Lily. Okay, so, so, <laughs> in the 14th century, and yes, I literally <laughs> just checked this in a book I have. Uh, in, <laughs> what book? <laughs> um, it is a massive book on Lithuanian history. But in the 14th century, um, in, the Kroku, in Krakow, um, like, like, a chicken, a whole chicken, like, um, cost like <laughs> one groschen so to kill a vampire a hugely dangerous a fucking chicken. a hugely dangerous <laughs> fucking beast like they, they they would pay him four chickens <laughs> that's an excellent bit of historical context <laughs> they were really scamming those ancient witchers oh, that's all I'm gonna fucking say <laughs> Uh, this is why we are the internet's premier witcher podcast <laughs> who else has a book around that can tell you exactly what one of these coins was worth <laughs> it is admittedly a very popular book on Lofainian history but still the overlap is something else <laughs> <laughs> so while you were away um, we were talking about um, the uh, the mute prophet and how that's not a very useful thing to have and Erin was just about to mention the um her her feminist critic take. Yeah, how I, I always have a feminist read on everything. That's just me, I guess. Uh-huh. But um so I mean I think it's been really interesting that we've had these interstitials um 
where Nanika is increasingly being like not increasingly, but is being threatened by these these knights who have accused her her temple of being like a den of sorcery and basically calling her a witch. Um, and then which, have, by the way, is just um, bold because they're attacking the largest religion of the fucking continent. Like, <laughs> uh, but it's a women's religion. Um, and <laughs> and then we have this bit here where Geralt's trying to figure out what the deal with this like mute girl is. And says, you know, who is she, Honorable Dune? Uh, who is this girl? Why does she enjoy more respect from you than that bloody book? And he, Dune replies, it'd be nay your business. Um, and, you know, looks at them with no friendliness in his eyes. Persecute wise women in your own town. Burn stakes in your own land. There has been none of it here, nor will there be. Mm. So we've got, like, another kind of example of sort of oppression of, like, women sort of religious figures yes um so i just thought that was really interesting um but yeah just like that's sort of coming up well well and it's and it's well it's revealed that that's why they're not allowed to just simply go and to... kill the devil is because lily does not want them to like so she actually her is word deeply is... respected here yeah 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 exactly but as far as he's concerned, anybody knowing about Lily from outside the valley is a danger because outside the valley they burn girls like her at the stake. Yeah, which is kind of an, an entirely reasonable approach for the village to take, really. But also, it's quite it's yeah. quite quite amusing because they also admit that they that they low key sometimes don't listen to her. Like Netley, like basically implies that they found a way to like deal with, for instance, boars and like other. Um, pests in their lands like in a, in, in a way that like you know so Lily doesn't find out yes because um... like so it's also interesting because like they simultaneously deeply respect her and like um, like she's considered like you know an integral part of like like the, the local settlers culture but like also at the same time <laughs> like sheer practicality wins over superstition sometimes yeah yeah, and I mean, Geralt um, sort of reflects, sort of, he doesn't say anything out loud. He says, like, you know, that he says he noticed the, the level of respect that she has in the village and sort of, um, I think it's Natalie that replies that, you know, but you've guessed that she's a prophetess, a wise one, but saying not of this to anyone, we ask you if we were to get out to the steward or God's forbid the viceroy. And Geralt says, don't worry, I know what it means, I won't betray you. And then there's this internal reflection bit that the strange women and girls called prophetesses or wise ones who could be found in villages, don't enjoy the favour of these noblemen who collected levies and profits from farming. Farmers all, always consulted prophetesses on everything and believed them blindly and boundlessly. Decisions based on their advice were often completely contrary to the politics of lords and overlords. Uh, Geralt had heard of incomprehensible decrees like the slaughter of entire pedigree herds, the cessation of sowing or harvesting, and even the migration of entire villages. Local lords therefore opposed the superstition, often brutally, and Freeman very quickly learned to hide the wise ones. But they didn't stop listening to their advice because experience proved the wise ones were always right in the long run. <laughs> so, so basically, the like sort of like patriarchal feudal whatever system doesn't like them because, for reasons they don't understand, they might say yeah, you're not sewing this year and everyone will listen and then they make no profits. It's, but it's, in the long it's run, impractical. it can turn out maybe they were right because the field was exhausted or something. Yeah, right? yeah. So, like, um, yeah. and and I think, like, there there might be even, like, hints to what's going on, like, when you consider, like, the rest of the Witcher world building, like, because, um, like, 
you know, like, the explanation that comes to mind, knowing, like, later world building made for the Witcher, for me, for these powers and such, you know, is basically that, like, the most logical explanation is that, you know, they're sources. They can see sort yes, of, like, exactly. into the weave of, like, how the future will go. Mm-hmm. Now, Lily, we will learn, is a special case, but I think for the most part, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Lily, Lily yeah, is so... well. Lily is something that like is actually quite kind of interesting in the sense that like remind me to talk yeah. when we find out what Lily is. I have thoughts about this. <laughs> okay, um, but yeah, so Lily's forbidden them to 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 to, to kill the the devil, and um, you know, Dandelion sort of rolls his eyes that country prophetesses grow from the same tree as druids and a druid will go so far as to wish the gadfly sucking his blood to enjoy his meal. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> little little dig at druids while we're at it. <laughs> well, I think Geralt has reason to have beef with druids. I that think, was I Dandelion, think... but yes, Geralt oh, has sorry. reason to have beef with druids. <laughs> Everyone has reason to be beef with druids. Let's be real here. Oh. <laughs> They're basically, Quick. like... Like I mean, in the Witcher verse, no, nobody, nobody has reason to beef with a Mario. It's okay. <laughs> I no, I quite like the Witcher verse druids. I think they're the least assholey magic users. Yes, they're the least assholey magic users, but they're but they're the most assholey ecologists I have seen. <laughs> Not just in fiction, but you know period. What? Circle of the Grand Banks of Newfoundland. Just saying. <laughs> Circle of the Grand Banks. Legit. <laughs> We're worried about those fish. <laughs> <laughs> Legit. Fine. <laughs> be it as it may be. <laughs> uh, okay, yes, we are we are bad at staying on topic. Let's today. hurt some cats. Um, <laughs> yes. So yes, they eventually having had this long discussion about metaphysics of druids and um, wise women they go out to confront and chase off the devil um, or sylvan and uh, it rather goes to shit pretty quickly um, Geralt and the uh, sylvan in, in, in get involved in a game which he describes as uh, don't do unto another as you would have done unto yourself which basically just means they're going to have a big scrap <laughs> And... Yes. Uh... Yeah, they start with riddles, but that doesn't really work out. And oh, sorry, they start with the devil wants to have a race, but only to a place that he well, knows that Geralt. Actually, that's yes. that's that's <laughs> interesting because like the the saying that's like used in the Lithuanian translation is different. I think that might be because like um like don't do unto unto another was the closest one that existed in English. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like um, what's the phrase in the... like? Is in the Lithuanian translation, it's um, it's a saying that goes something like. I'm trying to literally translate it right now. Uh, it's like, don't dig a hole for another, cause you'll fall in yourself. Oh, I quite like that. <laughs> it's like it's less <laughs> even don't do unto others as you would not like done unto yourself, and more like. Don't do bad for others because, like you know, just you yourself will end up suffering you fall into your own traps yeah basically um i think when they're trying to decide sort of how what kind of competition to have and and the sylvan is sort of um coming up with things i think there's this really 
interesting anti-meritocracy rant that the Sylvan goes on. <laughs> um, uh, um, where he says, like, you'd like to get off lightly, wouldn't you, without making an effort. A pull the other one. Life, my good man, means competition. The best man wins. If you want to win with me, prove you're the best. Instead of coming to an understanding, we'll have a competition. The winner dictates the conditions. I propose a race from here to the old willow to the dike. And Geralt says, well, I don't know where the dike is or the old willow. And uh, the Sylvan replies, I wouldn't suggest a race if you knew. I like competitions, but I don't like losing. <laughs> That's an economist like, answer right there. <laughs> yeah. That like, oh, the best man wins, but every competition's rigged. <laughs> he is a devil. Well, he isn't, <laughs> yes. but he... Well, he's a Sylvan. He claims to be a devil. <laughs> like... Yes. Um, <laughs> like... Um, he complains about being called a devil. Like... But... Like... It makes sense that he yeah, would go... a devil yourself. It, um, he says. It yeah. would make sense that he, is go, he goes on an anti-meritocracy rant when, you know, like... Like, especially, especially because, like, you know, that, like, this is, like, based on, like, the kind of, less the kind of, like, actual Christian dem demonological devil and more the kind of fairy tale devil who is, like, kind of a trickster god, you know? Hence the riddles. Hence the riddles, hence the everything. <laughs> like, I mean, this is, this yes. is super familiar to me as Lofanian because, like, Eastern European, like, folklore typically depicts the devil as a kind of Loki type figure. Mm. Like, where, you know, like, basically, he's there mostly to screw with people rather than to, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, actively, you know, be the guardian of hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, they get into a wee bit of a scrap, um, because none of these games are, are amusing Geralt very much. But uh, while they're scrapping... Um, they are ridden down uh, and knocked out, basically. Geralt and Deadline yeah. both. Um, and when they come to, they are, much like in the show version, uh, tied up uh, on the ground, surrounded by elves. Those rascals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they're overhearing a conversation where uh, an elf is speaking to uh, the devil, who we now know is called Torque. Um, congratulating him on getting three sacks of corn and and, and Torque replies that he also has beans and oil seed basic they're farming the stuff tongue. Yeah, basic farming stuff and they're speaking the old language but uh, the, the words that relate to agriculture are all in common so Geralt can understand what's happening yeah, so they're just trapped there with a bunch of elves as in the show except um, the circumstances are a little bit different this, so basically this time it's established that the elves are being chased up into the hills and they need farming materials or they're going to starve to death because mankind, because the elves used to live in lovely harmony with the land and never had to ravage it through our agriculture. They, and they certainly just live insist off a as much. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> like, they just lived, like, lived off the land lovely, whereas humans came around and like, spoiled everything by the, being the, good at farming. The one thing that, like, especially just seems here, like, a kind of, like, it, it enters, just to, to me, it enters, like, the, the kind of language that, like, you know, um, like, 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 um, like the language of national myth, right? Like you know, like 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 
um, telling this entire story about how the earth, the, the land pays you a bloody, you know, like, um, what's the word, fucking tribute, um, while, while the land loved us, and it's just for some reason that we're, that we're really bad at feeding ourselves and are starving today. Well, I mean, they did get moved out of a fertile valley and up into a plateau where even, you know, when they talk about agriculture, it's not going to work. Yes, but, but um, like... I did think this but was... But, like, as, as Geralt observes, they do, they do, they can still trade. They refuse to. They can, they can attempt to, like, take back the land. They refuse to. They, like, <laughs> like, 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 <laughs> certainly have at least a little bit of, like, uncritical unself-awareness going on here. Yeah, I do think it's interesting when we're talking about the, the the question of who owns the land that there was something that we didn't talk about earlier in the story, where they're talking about when they're talking to Dune about getting rid of the devil, um, and Dune replies, um, "Who would care to have a devil on his own, on his birthright soil? This be our land since forever bestowed upon us by the king, and it is not to do with the devil." I just thought that was interesting that like the humans are already claiming that this is like. Yeah. Their birthright ancestral land without any Yeah, yeah. I mean mm. to, That's yeah. how that's how it happens, isn't it? That's just colonialism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, it, it sure is. Like well first of all that and second of all, um, you know, you you also have to remember, right, like that um like Okay, so later on when like a more coherent timeline was introduced and shit, um like mm-hmm. that's like, true i'm thinking of it only being 300 years that might not be the case when this was yeah written. yeah right i was just gonna get at that like um like like that to like netly and dune like it might seem like you know like their their cultural memory may last may may well be you know like like lasting only as far as their like great grandparents right like that's whereas true. philavandral literally remembers when the land mm-hmm. was elves elves is mm-hmm. el- but i don't know how to make possessive out of that but you get what i mean <laughs> yeah um but sort of back to the sort of sequential i totally get what you're saying because yeah it's true for philavandral this is living memory for them this is ancient past so it's yeah like yeah. I don't think that's like explicitly explored here, but it's just interesting to think about how for an elf it would be completely different by yeah. virtue of age. Yeah. And I think the show did a really good job of that and having Philavandral like say that like like he remembers seeing the fields like, you know, being filled with the bodies of elven children, basically. Um like the show makes him explicitly say yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so back in the the, the, the sort of narrative um basically we've got um Teruvial, um as we know her from the show as well um smashing the loot sort of knocking dandelion and Geralt around uh dandelion sort of snapping back at her in elder um and uh and much like in the show Teruvial sort of gets out of hand and gets a little bit too close to Geralt and he manages to sort of headbutt her as well um, like um so it's the, turning into a bit of a strap the, the the bits of her him snapping back at her and elven are actually quite funny because um if i'm reading this right and please note that this is a fictional language that not only do i not speak but i don't think sapkowski really speaks it either um <laughs> like but um i'm pretty sure that like um she says something like 
wow, he's he's a real he's a real monkey, isn't he? And and Geralt responds with, I'm not. You are a, you are a real monkey, and Shay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, racists like to call each other monkeys, don't they? Yeah, whole yeah. thing. This is a long, long established thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and, and again, you know, as their Philavandral turns up, and we get, you know, the, the lots of tragic stories, and then them about to get executed, um, and lots of bloodshed. Except in the show, it's, you know, Geralt's silver tongue and Torque manage to stop them getting iced. Whereas this time, <laughs> it's uh, it's the Queen of the Fields, as I believe they make reference to her. Yeah. Um, turning up and saving their bacon. In the in 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 her avatar, Lily. But <laughs> we are we are jumping through at least several pages because yes. actually, like, are we? in fact, several pages of excellent dialogue. Yeah. I mean, I am. Let's get into the meat Just and bones of, of it then. It's 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 some it's of pretty writing. incredible political discourse within a fictional universe. Like Yes, I mean okay, Philavandrel's entrance, I mean I just even the way like that he's that he's introduced is just like the way like the way like Torque like runs up to the horse and catches the stirrup and, and just starts tr- sort of trying to plead for the for the lives of of Geralt and Dandelion because like Torque does not believe in killing people. Um I th- I thought that was pretty amazing. Um you know, Geralt and Dandelion talking and, and Geralt working out that Torque is stealing all the seeds and knowledge knowledge of agriculture uh for the elves. Uh and, and Torque sort of talking about how he's doing this out of compassion because um I love Torque. You know, he's I'll, a I'll fantastic character. I can I'll get them everything. Oh Torque's a brilliant character, yeah. Yeah, the way he says like he, that he'll get for them like whatever I can, everything they need, and show me something they don't need. They're starving in the mountains, especially in winter. They know nothing about farming. Before they've learned to domesticate game or poultry and to cultivate what they can in their plots of land, they haven't got time, human. Like, he twerks so much compassion, both for the elves and for the situation Geralt and Dandelion have found themselves in. Tork is like the most genuinely like like, you know, like how did, how, what's even the word? Like he just doesn't see like 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 to see people hurt like in a genuine and respectable way. And this is like pure. And he's the one like, called the devil. This world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pure sapphic that the monster is the most human, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 I just I I love Torque so much, you know, and like, and Dandelion's being kind of a dick here, honestly. Like he he moans that he doesn't care that he's never done anything bad to the elves he shouldn't have to deal with this and Torque says that you know dandelion as like a human maybe should think carefully about this but Geralt replies that you know he sees something that he is in philavandral is simply taking revenge for all the wrong that man has done the elves and it's the same to, to him who takes his revenge huh, sorry it's all the same to him who he takes his revenge on don't be deluded by this noble bearing and elaborate speech dandelion he's no different than the black eyes and teruvial who knocked us down he has to unload his uh, powerless hatred on somebody which provokes like a pretty amazing monologue from philavandral mm-hmm. um he says like you know if i wanted to give vent to hatred or desire for revenge um i'd storm the valley at night burn down the village and kill the villagers childishly simple 
they don't even put out a guard. They don't see us or hear us when we come down from the forest. Can it be anything simpler or easier than a um, swift, silent arrow from behind a tree? But we're not hunting you. It is you, man, with strange eyes. Strange eyes! Yeah. Uh, strange eyes. <laughs> there we go. Finally, strange eyes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so we are five stories in. We finally got a reference to his Geralt's eyes being strange. Okay, interesting. And, like, they're still not specified, just strange eyes. Strange eyes. Huh, I didn't even catch that when I took these notes. I just caught that reading it To out anyone now. who's forgotten, we are kind of trying to hunt down where the first reference to Geralt having cat eyes came from, because um, while we're not yet certain, we are so far pretty, like, increasingly convinced that... It's never specified in the books that Geralt's eyes look like a cat's eyes, and that it is an invention of the game series. But we're still working through it to like see if that's actually true, mm-hmm. um, and that we're all having yes. one massive Mantella effect. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> because I mean there is our our friend Osir who is a wealth of knowledge Osir. of like obscure Witcher lore. Uh, hi, Asir, um, pointed out that there are sort of like yellow eyes, but they're round, round pupils, but yellow eyes in very, very Just early like in the TV comics, series. Like early 90s. So yeah. like, um, we're trying to figure out if that's, yellow if that's the weirdness yeah. or like. Yeah, or yeah, but no reference to cat eyes yet. Um, anyway, it is you, man, who's strange eyes, who's hunting our friend, the Sylvan Torque. And I love Torque so much because he cuts in here and tries to say, like, oh, no, no, he, he's not hunting me. We were just having a bit of fun. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was Torque just a really game. Like, come lives. on. <laughs> <laughs> I love Torque, Torque so is much. The best. Um, but, like, Phil Evangel talks over him, you know, it is you, humans, who hate anything that differs, differs from you, be it only the shape of its ears. Um, that's why you took our land from us, drove us from our homes, forced us into the Savage Mountains. You took our. Uh, Dolbathana, the Valley of Flowers, I'm Philip Andrel. Oh god, I don't know how to pronounce it. Infidel of Silver Towers. Towers. That that might be as right as it is. There is is the correct pronunciation of Elder, it's a fictional language. (laughs) I've just played a lot of the games and kind of infer from that. Yeah, Yeah, just take the games as canon. Um, uh, But they're not, just pronunciation wise. Um, now, you know, now exiled and hounded to the edge of the world. I'm Phil Evangel of the edge of the world. I love his monologues. They're great. Like, they're, they're, they are so far the only competitor to Geralt's monologues. Like, they really are. (laughs) And I mean, and then this is where we get the book version of, you know, in the show when Geralt's like, we'll just go somewhere else. You know, he just replies, well, the world is huge. We can find room. There's enough space. Like, what kind of answer is that? Someone saying, I've been hounded from my land and taken from my towers and... Yeah, yeah. Just the world is huge. We can find room. Okay, Geralt. Like I don't think Geralt fully liberal some of centrist. <laughs> centrist. <laughs> I don't think I don't I don't think Geralt like fully understands some of the aspects he's talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh. You know, Dandelion tries to 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 bribe his way out. You know, people will pay ransom for us. You know, uh, the stolen seeds aren't going to save you. Um, 
Whereas Geralt just says, eh, your mother gives birth to you only once, and only once do you die. <laughs> yeah. He also he also tells Geralt, to, he also te- tells Dandelion to stop begging them, and tells them that it's pathetic and pointless. <laughs> like, uh, like, um... It's a bit nihilistic. But, like, um, I also, I also yeah. kind of, like, really do understand, like, um, what Geralt is going for here a little bit, because the thing about, um, like... Um, the elves that like always struck me in these scenes is that um, it's not enough for them to like literally just like like, like it it, does, it, does, it doesn't cross their mind to literally just just kill you know these these intruders on their like secret exchange you know witnesses to like this this whole thing they're doing um like they 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 start like Philavandrel starts with essentially like um what is like a prolonged need to patronize Geralt like and explain mm-hmm. to Geralt why he doesn't why why um like uh he doesn't understand they're quite real and terrible suffering you know like um like mm-hmm. so uh I can I can completely understand why Geralt who is already you know like hounded as not exactly fully fitting in in so many places for for like things like basically just doing his job like um Mm -hmm. that um like like I can almost I can almost understand um why he's being so defiantly dismissive of everything that Philavandrel is saying yeah, at the same time that oh, mean, he's horrible to them. He gosh. says he says I mean, some like terrible thing things. Says, you're pathetic with your, you're pathetic with your little stolen sacks of seeds on pack horses with your handful of grain, that tiny crumb, thanks to which you plan to survive, and with that mission of yours, which is supposed to turn your thoughts from imminent annihilation, because you know this is the end. Nothing will sprout or yield crops on the plateau. Nothing will save you now. But you live long, and you will live very long in arrogant isolation. Fewer and fewer of you, growing weaker and weaker, more and more bitter, and you know. What'll happen then, Philavangel? You know that desperate young men with the eyes of hundred-year-old men and withered, barren, sick girls like Teruvial will lead those who can still hold a sword and bow in their hands down into the valleys. You'll come down into the blossoming valleys to meet death, wanting to die honorably in battle and not in sick beds of misery where anemia, tuberculosis, and scurvy will send you. Then, long live Dane She. You'll remember me. You'll remember that I pitied you, and you'll understand I was right. Like, God, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's creating the Scoia'tael. Um, yeah. Oh, no. I mean, this, I mean, this caused the Scoia'tael. He's doing it in the show and he's doing it in the books. <laughs> this this caused the Scoia'tael. <laughs> I mean, this is his line where he says, well, then go get strong and fight. Like, uh, Geralt, for fuck's sake, just shut up sometimes. Like, like, but, like, like, I also, like, kind of, like, uh, like, fucking, uh, like, just have to say that like Geralt is just being like furiously defiant in his typically over dramatic way just because mm-hmm. I think he's just basically like like not taking this especially seriously in the way that he usually doesn't take like anyone who's like prone to monologuing other than himself especially seriously <laughs> well your mother gives birth to you only once and only once do yeah. you die <laughs> But, Interesting um, reference to your own mother, given like your big, your very complicated feelings on that subject, Geralt. 
Oh, oh, Gerald, so relatable. Um, so what I thought was um, really great here that the show didn't really do um, was also how brave Dandelion is in this yeah. moment where it seems like everything's gone to shit. So when Philip Andrew's just like, you know what, time will tell who is right. Here lies the adventures of longevity. I've got a chance to finding out if only because of that stolen handful of grain, but you won't have a chance like that. You'll die shortly. And when Geralt tries to convince Philavandrel to let Dandelion go because he's just a bard, Dandelion's, or the elf's like, ugh, like, Dan- Philavandrel's like, you know, if he survives, thanks to you, he'll fail avenge to avenge you. And Dandelion, instead of saying something smart, like, oh no, like, I can ransom him, or like, I'll keep quiet, says like, oh, you can be sure of that. Dandelion burst out, pale as death, and you can be sure, you son of a bitch, kill me too, because I promise otherwise I'll set the world against you. You'll see what life from a fur coat could do. We'll finish you off, even if we have to level these mountains of yours to the ground. You can be sure of that. Uh... <laughs> Carol's just like, how stupid you are, Dandelion. I love Dandelion. Look, <laughs> I love that. I just love how brave Dandelion is, and then he echoes Geralt's line, just as your mother gives birth to you only once, and only once do you die. While his teeth like, like clash against teeth the are shutter, yeah. like castanets. <laughs> I, uh, I love his just immense courage in the face of like mortal fear. It's courage from stupidity more than anything else, I think. <laughs> Bless him. And his need to maintain his pride. No, yes. but like. But like also, he's creating like, a story he's, for himself I as well. I think he's fucking aware he's going to die. He's this. He's just being defiantly brave, regardless. I think this must be. This is the first adventure. This must be what endeared him to Geralt. They were a little fighty with each other through most. Like of this a little bit, but story. like. But seeing how brave he's willing to be in the face of just imminent yeah. death, that's got to endear you to someone forever. I... And then Torque tries to side <laughs> with them as well, like basically saying, "Like you can't fucking kill, kill on my land." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's just like, "Look, like, yeah, this is my land. I don't like death. Like, I don't like. Just please don't do yeah. this." And that to- he told them to piss off, like with all this, with all their bows, <laughs> like. Yes. <laughs> uh... <laughs> that like. Yes. Like Dandelion starts going, I'm I'm hearing music and Geralt's just like happens. Don't don't worry about it. Like, you know, like going a bit mad, like out of fear is not is not shameful. <laughs> yes, but the music turns out to be I can't, I can't believe there's literal uh... music playing while Dan while while Lily approaches. Like like Oh of course there is. She's yeah, a but goddess. just like <laughs> like the the degree of cheesiness that like you know like actual background music to her approaching like is is kind of incredible like but yes this is where we get literal divine intervention and actual deus ex machina to come save yes like um, Carol li- a literal Lion. goddess intervenes it's the queen of the fields uh yeah Dana Meave is that um I don't know because there's a yeah, D there, so I don't know if the D combined to the B and H. I, I don't know. I'm I'm not a Gallic person. Dove. <laughs> well, uh, well, Dana well, Maeve. well. In 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 the orthographies of Gaelic languages, it would be it would it would be Dana Maeve. Um But yeah, is it an elder? Shrug. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm gonna go with Dana Maeve. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fair. Because like. Well, you have to remember that, like, we have names that, um, 
in the games in particular, there is a tendency to simply take Irish or Gaelic names and pronounce them wrong, as there is an all fantasy that has ever been made into game form. <laughs> like, but, but that does mean that, like, <laughs> is it Dana Maeve? Is it Dana <laughs> Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going with It Dana should Maeve. be Danami, <laughs> but like, again, yeah, either way. Yeah, shrug. Either way. <laughs> but yeah, so the queen of the fields, who's this elven goddess, Dana Maeve. Um, she's actually like pan-racial, because like, she's, she's like, yeah. she's like known to like multiple people. Well, yeah, she's queen of the fields to humans, Dana Maeve yeah. to the elves. And Bloom and Magda for the, um, for the dwarves. <laughs> yes. So this, 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 this is who Lily is. So she isn't just one of your t- typical village priestesses or village wise women. She is a, a literal incarnate goddess, which is something. Yes. Let's talk <laughs> about this because this is really something that like, you know, um, I kind of feel like, like actually Sapic, like in the, in the long term, like kind of accidentally ended up under exploring, like, I'm not sure. I'm yes. not sure how comfortable I am with the fact that, like, you know, um, of all the religions in this world, like, um, it is low key confirmed that, like, one of the deities of like one of those religions is kind of real, but also never well... seen, explained, or discussed yeah. again. Yeah. And I understand I mean, why because I think like this, this is something that like you know was literally used for the purpose of this short story. This is a deus ex machina, so the elves leave them alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm glad the show... I'm kind of glad the show kind of removed this complication and just went with, like... <laughs> yeah, because... Philavandral, in the end, is proud and... Proud and, and haughty and arrogant and traumatized and everything else, but he isn't a murderer. Yes. And... Yeah. Although then he goes on goes on to so do literal sh- terrorism. Uh, but <laughs> Well, yes, but that's different than just, like, killing two tied-up, helpless people. Y- yes, but, yes, but, the, but, but admittedly the terrorist he's... that he falls in with, like, do do a lot of that. So... <laughs> yes, um... it's true. Well, so Phil Evangel is a person. But not... Phil Evangel is a person, to be is... fair, yes. Like, um... No, I agree, I agree. Um, if seriously. Um, because... I I mean, to be totally honest, it didn't exactly seem like Phil Evangel was especially comfortable with the idea of murdering them even in this. Um, like, like he seems decided to do it, but he doesn't seem like he's enjoying the process. He's resigned yeah. to it. He sees it as inevitable. Yes. This seems yeah. like a relief. Like, to not yeah, have he, to do he it. seems genuinely relieved by the fact that he doesn't have to kill them. Like, um... Like, but, um, what I, you know, like, what I find, like, you know, like, interesting here is that, like, you know, if you see the entire Witcher series as a single narrative, it, like, it's it's good that, like, the show got rid of this, because this is, once again, one of those wee bits from the short stories that are kind of like, well, people would ask questions about, <laughs> why do we never talk about yeah. this again? <laughs> Mm-hmm. So like this isn't the only time there's quite possible literal goddesses intervening, but um, this is the most yeah. explicit. It's just like kind of interesting to think about because I actually think 
I actually think I see like the Witcherverse as a whole as like a very different setting if we explicitly actually do assume that gods are real. Like, I think mm-hmm. it becomes like quite a different thing because like um well first of all well well first of all it like like the Witcher when you read it normally feels instinctively like to me personally, I don't know if it feels like differently to you guys, but to me personally, like it it feels it feels like a very atheist universe. Like in the sense of like everything is yeah. grim. There's nothing there there's nothing guiding, you know, the like like grim in the grim in the sense of like like grim is maybe not even the right word, but like there there is nothing really guiding human destiny except for human or human ish actions, you know? Like Except that it's also quite possibly an utterly it, there is, universe. For there, 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 yeah, prophecy yet. exists. It is implied that there is some. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah, there is, there is determinism. There to is, it. there is some weird determinism thing going on, but like there isn't like you know an actual kind of like outsiderly divine kind of force guiding this. Like, yeah. like you know, like Which the I the don't... elder the elder blood and stuff, right? Like that that is a very that mm-hmm. is a very like. Um, like almost like you know scientific concept of destiny where like <laughs> uh well, it's genetics yeah. as destiny which is yeah it, it, it has some yikes implications right um, but like but 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 basically there's like no kind of like spiritual force behind it it's all numbers like but at the same time i mean well like i mean i guess i don't know first off is like a very hopeful and optimistic atheist i contest the idea that not having a spiritual force behind things makes no i i don't i don't i don't i don't mean that either but like um but 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 there but it it doesn't feel like there is a spiritual force behind things yeah i mean there isn't in the sense that like everyone certainly has to like under their own effort achieve their own destiny like that there's not a divine intervention to force that to happen unless we count the anime of keeping Geralt alive here as a divine intervention in the force of destiny um but at the same time it's a world in which people's faith in the gods really matters um in the sense that like you know the interstitials are written later when we already have a larger sense of where the narrative is going in mind right and we get really wonderful lines like um Nanika speaking to Geralt and Geralt saying that he doesn't think that having a, a trance to figure out his destiny will be of any use because he doesn't believe in it. And Nanika says something like, um, well, I don't think that's the case because that would be the first evidence I'd ever seen that a lack of faith has any power at all. Yeah, but like that that really feels like, you know, like a kind of like endorsement of the concept of faith in the abstract, right? Like, right, like in the philosophical sense. Like, I mean, in a much more literal kind of sense, we don't really see like like we we see evidence that like people having faith in the abstract like not in not in gods just in themselves and shit but in also in gods but like faith in the abstract as a feeling has power and meaning and that like it is one of the things that can get you through like some the really shitty stuff that goes on in this universe um like mm-hmm. but we don't really see intervention from supernatural, like genuinely supernatural forces, in the proper sense of that word. 
because like monsters uh magic all of that like while they are supernatural by the definition of our world but they but they feel natural within the witcher wars you know like yeah yeah i think our only examples of things that are outsiderly are basically yeah. it's basically this and that's and it Maeve. and and maybe maybe the intervention yes, of Freya. Like and it's still in, ambiguous, in right? Like it could it like because like my yeah. inter my interpretation, like I'm not gonna lie, was always like simply that like Yen is actually just an even stronger mage than she thinks she is. <laughs> like <laughs> like what I'm basically saying is yeah. that this is kind of like the only time when gods in the Witcher feel like you know, the Valar in Lord of the Rings. Like, as an actual yeah. Yeah, force true. that affects this universe. Mm. Yeah, legit. It is, basically, because most, mo like, the vast majority of the time, our heroes are completely on their own, and if they have outsiderly help, it's just other humans who have enormous abilities. To the point they appear outsiderly. I think that's actually, but... <laughs> that's actually also kind of cool, because that actually adds more to the kind of... Like, you know, again... This would be would have been very difficult to transfer into the TV series. So, in any adaptation adaptation that tries to build a coherent narrative out of the short stories, this this episode is inevitable would inevitably have to be cut. Um, like, but within this short story, I actually think that's kind of cool because it kind of adds to the feeling of the Valley of the Flowers as this kind of extremely fairy tale place. Because it is literally, is literally like fairy tale land incarnate, like, r like you know, remarkably flourishing fields, like you know, um, yeah, lo the locals are all simple folk who like you know, believe that they're like that they're surrounded by magic everywhere they go, and like this is like you know, fight finishing it with a kind of like nice bit of like. To some degree, they are. They are. There is something really genuinely powerful and magical going on here. And it is crushing because their goddess appears to them, and Philavandral approaches her and says, "Come with us, Denimave. We need you. Don't abandon us, Eternal One. Don't deprive us of your love. We'll die without it." And Lily, and of course, their their goddess is incarnated as a human girl. Um, Lily shakes her head and indicates east, the directions of the mountain. The elf bowed, crumbling. Uh, crumpling the ornate reins of his white-maned mount in his hands. So, like, he's begged his goddess, come with us, please, we'll die without you. And she you. basically and told she... them to go away. Well, perish. Like... <laughs> yes, well, perish, precisely. <laughs> it's, it's pretty horrifying, yeah. Like, it's legitimately upsetting. Yes. I mean, and that is, I think, why this ends with these crushing lines. Well, not the ends, but this this chapter ends with these crushing lines from Philavandral, you know, after some consideration, I've come to the conclusion that you were right when you pitied us. So goodbye, goodbye until we meet again on the day when we descend to the valleys to die honorably. We'll look for you then, Teruviel and I. Don't let us down. Like, oh. It's just, I'll like, try. He's just been abandoned by Jesus. his goddess. That's it. That's all. And then Geralt just replies, I'll Geralt try. Geralt doesn't even yeah. seem miffed as well, which is really frustrating. Like... <laughs> yeah. Also, also... Also, Teruviel gives 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 Dandelion her loot. It's not Velavandril in the in the story. Yeah, it's Teruviel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I suppose she did she break did it. She did break so. his. So yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> I like to reveal. She eventually ends up yes. being quite nice. So then we don't end with toss a coin to your witcher, but it's, it's close enough, really. Yes. Well, Dandelion yes. is composing a song. Yes. Yes, and they're traveling with Torque because Torque's agreed to move on away from the village. Uh, so they're going traveling together a little um, to a new place, um, which is nice that they're all just sort of hanging about. And uh, Geralt has been paid I- with the book. Yes. Yes, yeah. so he has. Oh, and also, I just realized um, Dana maybe muttered Dandelion. Dana, <laughs> that's, yeah. So maybe actually it's not Dana Meeve, it's... No, I, I, I think, Dan I think Dana maybe is a, uh. just the human corruption of it. Like, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't, Dan I don't Lion think we could extrapolate what the, what the actual, like, <laughs> fucking elder is from the <laughs> yeah. human corruption. Because man, like, languages fuck words up when they transfer them. Yeah, saying that, speaking as an English speaker, we are, we are quite good at that. <laughs> um there's one thing that i thought you guys would be interested in given your long-standing theory that's sort of like the last sort of interesting thing that happens in this story so they're 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 talking about dana mave and reading out from the book and then dandelion says she spoke to the elf telepathically i sensed it i'm right aren't i holy shit he's a half elf once again (laughs) <laughs> that or like or bit. actually that just created that that i think that establishes that dandelion has a little bit of magical talent actually which i think is even yes. more wild well if he's either got a little magical or talent both or, he's part or elf. both These are the, the two or both because often those go together so <laughs> Dandelion, Dandelion is a, is is a D and D bard in the sense that he can cast spells. I mean, maybe <laughs> he can also fight a little sometimes. Yes, so yeah, he's a D and D bard. Jesus, yes. Jesus. Um, on that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> yes, on that bombshell. Um, that's I think where we wrap up because it just they 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 build a fire and they go to sleep and he and Dandelion's talking about. The, the ballad he's going to compose and Geralt and, and Torque basically just tell him to be quiet and good night. <laughs> <The Yeah. end. laughs> Not quite toss a coin to your witcher, but similar. Toss a sleep to your witcher. <laughs> toss a knife to your witcher. Uh, Count some sheep for your witcher. Count some sheep for your witcher. <laughs> Count some sheep for your witcher. That's the subtitle of the episode there. (laughs) (laughs) Right, what's next? What's next is the voice of reason six. And... Oh no, the next is last Here night. we go! Okay, yes. Fantastic. Oh, here we fucking go. <laughs> this one of my favorite stories of all time. Yes, I think. Just oh, one of the gosh. best yeah, works of, of literature of all time. Wonderful things I've ever read. Yeah, I literally yeah. cannot praise it highly yeah. enough. It's incredible. Oh my gosh. Oh, hearts <laughs> a flutter thinking about getting to yes. talk about this. Short next. story, The Last Witcher, next time, guys. <laughs> it's going to be great.
the last, the last wish. wish. The last wish. I mean, yes. So excited. Sorry. Yes. Gonna be great. Yes. I mean, Geralt gets pretty close. The to last, last Witcher. Witcher <laughs> <laughs> well, he would have been the last Witcher. The last, the um, last Witcher is somehow still going to end up being Vesemir. Let's be real here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so with that exciting uh, realization, I think we'll wrap up here. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And uh, join us again next time when we discuss the the sixth story in The Last Wish, which is the eponymous The Last Wish. Our music is Medieval Abstraction by Lucas Purdy and Miloslav Kolar, which you can find at freemusicarchive.org. And you can find us on Twitter and Tumblr as at the Witcher cast, or you can email us at castapodtoyourwitcher at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Bye.